hope, it, hope I can do the Lord justice on this one. But anyway, priesthood of God. Let's start with prayer. Heavenly and merciful Father, we do thank you that we can come before you. Being a priest before you is a great privilege. We're going to explore that today, but Lord, just being in your presence, as we've already encountered today and through the worship, we can press ever closer into your presence. So we're praying that we prepare our hearts, our heads, our minds, Lord, that we would receive whatever you want to speak to your people today. And may your speaker be blessed with the words to speak. In Jesus' precious and mighty name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to look at the priesthood of God today. And the key verse to keep in mind is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into its wonderful light. So the first question I'll pose is, what is a priest? So let me ask you, church, what comes to mind when I say the word priest? That was silence. I wasn't expecting that sort of response. You can shout out. It's no wrong answers. I'm not going to mark you on it. Passion. Compassion. Holy. Holy. Compassion. Yeah? Any others? Someone who serves people. Amen. Someone who serves the people. A child of the Lord. Amen. Good. We've got some good answers there. Praise God. I'm sure the first thing that pops in our mind is an image like this when we think about a priest. Yeah? Am I pretty fair on making that statement? Now, a lot of my childhood and even my adulthood, if I didn't have that sort of perception of a priest, I think, showing my age now, one of the first priests I knew about was, um, does anyone remember the form birds back in the 80s, 90s? Yeah, Richard Chamberlain was the priest. Yeah, a naughty priest. Um, But anyhow, and then we had Father Ted, yeah, more people know about Father Ted. Yeah. And I think more recently we've got Father Brown. Yeah. Do we know about Father Brown, the yeah. detective? Yeah. The Americans did the Father Dowling, but Father Brown is also the, the key one there. So that's our idea of a priest, isn't it? Very different images of what a priest could be. But I want to focus on two specific words from the 1 Peter 2 scripture. Royal and priest. So looking at royal, Google defines that word as having the status of a king or queen or a member of their family. And the word priest is defined by Merriam-Webster as someone who is authorised to perform the sacred rites of a religion, especially as a mediatory agent before humans in God. And Strong's Bible Dictionary defines the word as a minister, a personal attendant or an officer. The first priest noted in the Bible is Melchizedek in Abraham's time. Jephro, Moses' father-in-law, is also noted to be the priest of Midian. And Job is noted to be the priest for his family. They represented the people before God and also God to the people. They stood in the presence of God as mediators between man and God. They interceded and offered sacrifices for the people to atone for their sins to help maintain their relationship with God. 
Priests petition for God's help to help people, heal them, ask for his protection, his provision, and for help in their situations. They also pronounce blessing on and for the people. In Old Testament times, only a select few could enter into the priesthood. In Exodus, God sets apart initially Aaron and his sons to be his priests. The priests had to come from the family line of Aaron, the tribe of Levi. And the high priest could only enter the most holy place once a year, the very closest experience of the presence of God. Exodus 28, verse 1. Call for your brother, Aaron and his sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. Set them apart from the rest of the people of Israel, so they may minister to me and be my priests. Now Leviticus chapters 8 and 9 explain in great detail the preparation of Aaron and his sons to serve God as priests. They were washed, anointed, and consecrated, which means set apart or made holy by God, so that they would not die by entering before the presence of God in an unworthy manner. God is exciting and beautiful, but he was very dangerous to be around in those days. There were extreme dangers to approaching his presence without the reverent clothing, sacrifices, and atonement being made for the priests before entering into his presence. I hope you can see that. So that's the sort of garb that the high priest would have to put on. Lots of things are very symbolic. They wore the 12 tribes of Israel on there. They had pomegranate bells on the bottom there because if they didn't hear them jangling in the presence, they knew that the person had dropped dead in the presence of God. They had the turban, which also had an inscription on it. Now, I don't know about you. In the Middle East, it's pretty hot. Do we agree? Right. Now, first off, that's the outside that they used to wear. They used to have to wear a white thing on swell, like a body suit underneath. So they've got that. Then they've got this heavy garment. That's not light either. That's got jewels and gold. That's a lot of stuff to be wearing before you enter into the presence of God. Don't you agree? Ain't you glad you don't have to wear all that now? They entered into God's presence barefooted. Even Moses had to take off his shoes before entering into the presence of God at the burning bush. So, what did being a priest for God entail? Priests were God's personal attendants whose entire life revolved around serving him in ministering in the temple and carrying the burden of the people. They served the people not for gain, but for the pleasure of serving God. Now, when you read your Bible, you know that didn't apply to all the priests. Some didn't apply that, but a good priest would serve the Lord with all their heart for the good of the people. The priest's duties in the Old Testament were they taught the people about God and set an example of godly living. They cared for the sanctuary and its workers. They distributed the offerings and they were involved with leading the people into worship. So here's a list of the different offerings the priests could offer for the people. There were thanksgiving offerings, with grain and fellowship offerings, which were saying thank you to God. There were peace, sin and guilt offerings, but there were also burnt purification and restitution offerings, which were where the people had to say they were sorry to God. The priests took the sin offering and made atonement for the people so they could be forgiven. 
Look at Leviticus chapter 4 verse 20. Just as he does with the bull offered as a sin offering for the high priest, through this process the priest will purify the people, making them right with the Lord, and they will be forgiven. The fall, which happened right in the Garden of Eden, right at the beginning of the Bible, brought sin, guilt, and shame into the world. God needed to make a way so man could again enter into his presence without the impact or the consequences our sins brought into the world. Leviticus 16 shows the Day of Atonement where the priest atoned for himself and Israel to allow them to dwell in God's presence. The priests and the animal sacrifices made a temporary way for this. A priest required the highest level of integrity and holiness. They required ritual and moral purity so they were not consumed when in the presence of the Lord. We can see this in Leviticus 10 when Aaron's son Nadab and Abihu entered into the presence of God in an unworthy manner. We also see, I believe, in the New Testament with Ananias and Sapphira in Acts. So don't believe this is still Old Testament times. If when you come really into the presence of the Lord and you're doing it in an unworthy fashion, you will feel it in some shape or form. They allow people to draw near to God. He always intended to be in the midst of his people. We can see that through the Garden of Eden and the tabernacle and the temple. However, our sins and his holiness cannot dwell in the same space. So God temporarily set up the ritual sacrifices for his people to allow for this. However, no one could sustain the high standards of God's presence required. But God had planned another way for all of us to be in his presence and be in relationship with him. Priests encouraged the people for battle. Let me show you the scripture. Deuteronomy 20, verse 2. When you prepare for battle, the priests must come forward to speak to the troops. Have you never noticed that one before? The priests must come forward. Not the king. Not the judge. The priest. Now, I'm wondering all this time, because you know, I watch sports, and you know the manager comes in, the team needs uplifting and they're kicking the chairs and say, you know, you've got to go out there, you've got to win this match for us. I bet that the priest never made that approach. They probably g them up and said, do you know the Lord that you serve? Do you know the Lord that's coming before you? It's not you that's going to win this battle. It's the, God, it's the Lord our God who will win this battle for us. Amen. It's a much different approach, isn't it? The priest bore the Ark of the Covenant and took the lead at the front when Joshua crossed the Jordan. They also took the lead when he took Jericho. Am I lying? That's what the Bible says. They, they led. The ark led. For me, it's a sign of faith that God ultimately was in control. It was unheard of and still is that an army's front line is a line of priests. It was the presence of the Lord going before the priests that gave the Israelites their victories. But the priests and the people had to remain holy or they would suffer defeat as they did at the, the Battle of Ai where Achan kept devoted things of the other nations in the camp which angered the Lord. There's also another instance that pops into my head about the ark. There was, uh, I believe it's in Samuel, and the Israelites are fighting the Philistines and they get defeated. They didn't have the ark with them at that time. 
So some, some bright spark said, oh, let's get the ark. And we'll surely win. So they got the ark, took the ark to the battle, and the Philistines beat them. Hmm. The Philistines took the ark back to their home ground and put the ark in front of their god, Dagon. And they came up, woke up the next morning. And strangely enough, Dagon, the statue, a big statue, is face forward in front of the ark. And they're thinking, hmm, there was no storm yesterday? What's going on? So they put the statue back up. And the next day, this statue has no head, no hands in front of the ark. The ark doesn't need an army. The presence of God is arming himself. Amen? Amen. Priests were the peacekeepers and teachers of the people. They judged and resolved disputes and taught the people God's ways using his wisdom. Jesus, the ultimate high priest, continues to do this even to this day. So who are priests for God? Well, God promised Abraham he would make his descendants a mighty nation that would bless the world in Genesis 18, verses 17 and 19. And Exodus begins the fulfillment of this with God saying this nation will be a kingdom of priests. Exodus 19, verses 5 to 6. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on the earth. For all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. Jesus continues the fulfillment of this promise through his church and is the head of God's new priesthood. God's priesthood is a spiritual one. It goes beyond physical acts. We seem to get focused on the clothing of the priests and the acts that they have to follow. But technically, Adam was a priest. He served in the presence of God. And we as children of God are called to be God's new priesthood. A quote from Vance Havner, a a preacher back in the day. Every Christian is a priest, not offering a sacrifice for sins, since this has been done once and for all, but offering his person praise and possessions. As we represent God to a fallen world as his royal priesthood, we have a responsibility to ensure we represent him correctly and honouring him so he can be seen through us. We are ambassadors for his kingdom. God's priesthood has transformed hearts, able, has transformed hearts and able, willing to live a life of love towards God and others. It requires an inward cleansing and consecration of the heart so we can reflect him to the world. A little table. I do like my tables. Three A's. There's awakening, which leads to an encounter with God. There's anointing, where we are consecrated and set apart for God. And then we have to be acting on the leading and empowerment of the Holy Spirit to be transformed for God's purposes, loving, following, and obeying him. Three A's. For me, it's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity is always at work. That's why I broke it down. Three A's, three alphas for me. But you've got to do A-C-T. You've got to act. Yeah? Yeah. All three. So what is the significance of being a priest for God? 
Although God initially set apart a specific tribe to be priests for the nation of Israel, he always intended all his people to be involved in his priesthood. There's only one priest, a high priest, that could consecrate a kingdom of priests once and forever. That is Jesus. Hebrews chapters 5 and 7 shows how he is the ultimate high priest. I was reflecting on this, but we're going to touch on Hebrews in a minute. But I was reflecting on this about, um, we mentioned it in prayer as well this morning. When Jesus showed himself to be a priest, and there was that encounter he had with the current high priest in Jerusalem on the night that they took him prisoner. And for me, there was a spiritual battle going on when he was before Caiaphas, the current high priest. And even though it may look like Jesus was being defeated, and the twelve of the Sanhedrin were concerned, they had got Jesus in the clutch of their hands. He, he was done. He was finished. They'd done what they needed to do. But Jesus was only beginning the victory that he was going to start to show the world he was achieving. Not just there where Caiaphas was challenging him, but at the cross where he would die, but he would not stay dead. He would be resurrected, the great high priest. Hebrews 7, verses 25 to 26. Therefore he is able, once and forever, to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honour in heaven. The Old Testament priesthood points to Jesus, the greatest high priest, in the order of Melchizedek, the prophets prophesied that. He fulfills perfectly all the duties the old priests used to do in the tabernacle and the temple. Anointed by the Holy Spirit at his baptism, he starts to fulfill his priestly role through healing, interceding, and providing forgiveness for the people. Let's do a comparison of the old covenant priesthood to the new one. So the Old Covenant priesthood started with the tribe of Levi. That was Aaron and his uh, heritage. But from the new one, when Jesus comes in place as the high priest, it switches to the tribe of Judah. Again, the Old Testament testifies about that. The Old Covenant priests could only bring temporal cleansing and forgiveness. The ultimate high priest brings eternal cleansing and forgiveness of all sins. The old one, only the human high priest could stay there for a lifetime. That could range from 70, 50, and if you're really unlucky, less than that as a priest. But the eternal high priest is at the right hand of God forevermore. The old ones could not fully meet God's requirements. None of them could. Jesus fulfilled every one of God's requirements. They provided sacrifices for the people continual sacrifices Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for all sins for all time through Jesus Christ our Lord Sarah we have been reconciled to God he makes us beautiful holy and righteous before God a quote from Martin Luther the theologian the priest is not made he must be born a priest he must inherit his office I refer to new birth, the birth of water and the spirit. Thus, all Christians must become priests, children of God, and co-heirs with Christ, the most high priest. 
Ladies, don't feel excluded that his is a global his. Amen. We share through him the privilege of entering into God's presence, not only as priests, but children and ears to what Jesus won through sacrificial death and resurrection for us. He is the only way to God. Only by believing that Jesus' sacrifice as our saviour has cleansed all sins through his death and resurrection can one enter into his priesthood. Hebrews 10, verses 10 to 12. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honour at God's right hand. Jesus himself, as high priest, became the perfect and only atoning sacrifice needed to cleanse us of all our sins. To make redundant the ritual sacrifices and usher in the ultimate and only way to draw closer to God indwelt by his very presence. There was a lot of blood, animal sacrifices, and burning involved in the old way of doing things. It was not for the squeamish. And I bet you are so glad we don't need to do all of that as part of this royal priesthood. Amen. Can you imagine every Sunday I've got a bucket and I'm going, there you go, there you go, to make sure you're all cleansed and anointed. You wouldn't be too happy, especially if you went in Amani. <laughs> The Israelite priests wore intricate robes and accessories, I did show you what they were, to approach the presence of God. But it's not priestly robes that make us a royal priesthood, but the Saviour who enrobes us that makes us so, to allow us into a better, more intimate experience of entering into God's presence. For the old priesthood, the people had to come to the priest to confess their sins. Now through Jesus, we confess our sins directly to him, and he provides God's forgiveness and grace to those who truly repent. Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. As his priesthood, we must be aware of and acknowledge the state of our hearts, especially as we approach closer to his presence. There is much fruitfulness and blessing for those who approach God with a repentant heart, willing to obey the Lord's will. In Jesus' priesthood, no one is rejected if they have have a repentant heart to receive the glorious and wonderful grace and salvation provided by Jesus through his death and resurrection. The priest, before Jesus instigated his new one, had to have extensive training and be of a certain lineage and status Now, in Jesus, he calls people from every tribe, culture, background, social standing and learning to be his priests. Aren't we glad about that, church? All of that. He's covered all bases. And I'm also a bit glad that one person, once a year, gets the privilege of entering into his presence. Wouldn't you be a bit disappointed that you couldn't speak to the Lord when you wanted to? At the minute, you can. Can't you? Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I was hoping you'd say yes, because if you didn't, we'd have to be praying for you later on. Yes, you can enter into the presence any time you like. There's no speed dial needed. 
There's no 911. There's no 99 here in England. There's no emergency call. You just cry out to him and he'll answer. You must come to God on his terms, not your own. His character and attributes are unchangeable. He is holy and gracious, and he will transform those who believe and are willing to follow him in his ways. This in turn sets the believers apart as holy for our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1 verses 15 to 16. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Holiness is important and essential to enjoy and be in his presence. It reflects God's presence alive in us. And we are called to live a selfless life of holiness to God to reflect him to the world. Romans 12 verse 1. I think Pastor Ryan was touching on this as well. And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind you will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Old Testament sacrifices were an act of worship. And God's new priesthood requires different, more intimate sacrifices from God. It requires ourselves. Everything that we have and everything that we are as an act of worship to God. Jesus began this example and we are to follow him in this. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. We who are a royal priesthood are also the new temple of the living God. Where before the priest and the temple were distinct and separate, our great high priest, who is also the cornerstone of his living stones, is making the new temple of God through us, by his Holy Spirit. Jesus is bringing all things together as God always intended them to be before our sins separated us from God's holy and divine presence. I always used to uh, wonder why we need to get resurrected. You know, when we go back to be with the Lord, our spirit goes back to him, so surely that's enough, isn't it? Wouldn't you agree? The essence of us goes back to God. But Jesus says, when I come back, I'm going to raise you, resurrect you. Because when God created us, he created us as a human body with flesh and a spirit. That model, he's going to stick with. He's not going to change it because we messed up. So when Jesus comes back, he's going to put it all right. That's why we get resurrected with a body. Because that was his template. That's what he started with. That's what he's going to finish with. There is a point. God always has logic to what he's doing. A quote from Martin Luther. All we who believe on Christ are kings and priests in Christ. Our late queen was a godly woman. But she had significant authority and power. That she didn't exercise or abuse. I always remember her coronation before she became queen how she acknowledged a greater royal family, a greater king, our Lord, Saviour, Jesus Christ. The queen belonged to a royal line. If not, she would not have been in the position she could be to take the mantle of queen. But we also belong to a royal family, the family of God. 
And he asked us to be his kingdom of royal priests for his glory so the world may see the goodness of God in this dark world. Church, the world does feel like it's getting darker, doesn't it? It does. Every week I'm seeing a story that I wish I didn't have to see. But we're the light to the darkness. The world sees God through us. And he doesn't need us. That's what I said about the ark. The ark didn't need the Israelites. The Israelites needed the ark. The world needs Jesus. We've already got Jesus. So we've got to show him to the world. You're a royal priest, church. Remember last Sunday I was saying about titles, names that you are. I'm trying to educate. Know who you are. Know what God sees you as. And start to walk in it. Revelations 5 verse 10. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God. And they will reign on the earth. Reign. Now, normally you have to have something to reign. I'm always mindful of that song, cast your crowns before the Lord. Because we're royal church. We have a crown. And we are reigning if we follow what the Lord tells us to do. Jesus as our royal high priest is preparing the world through us, his priesthood, for God's presence to reign on earth as he does in heaven. Our calling as his new priesthood is to minister to God and others in and through his presence. Will you heed his call and shine his light to others? Amen? Amen. I'm done. So I'm going to pray. But church, as I said, the message is to open up your heart to what God sees in you the challenge for us is we can never live up to a title but there are names that God calls us that we can live up to being a child of God being one of his royal priests being a saint these are all things that the Lord does not take lightly but we I believe do and we need to remember who we are and walking it more. So gracious and heavenly Father, I do thank you. I thank you that you are so compassionate for us. There was never a time that you did not have us in your thoughts. There was never a time that your hand was not holding ours. Even when we were running from you, you were holding us like a parent, stopping a young person running into the road. But Lord, we do know that we need you. We need your presence, we need your love, we need your grace, we need your mercies. And we are so thankful for the cleansing that Jesus brought. The atoning sacrifice, once for all time, never to be done again. To put aside something that could not fulfill what needed to be done. But Jesus did it all. He did so many things at the cross. But being our high priest, he was destined to be. And will remain to be. He will no longer stop being that. He will always be that for all eternity now. He will intercede for us at the right hand of the Father. And he wants us as his royal priesthood. To show his love. His compassion. His forgiveness. That's what the duties of the priest. That people would come to them and talk to them. They would teach them how to live towards God. They would atone for their, their sins. Now Jesus has done it all. 
But we as his royal priesthood need to continue to show Jesus is the only way. Jesus is more than a name. That five letters that make up the name of Jesus does not give, it's not worthy of that. Even the Israelites could not speak the name Yahweh. They had to change it because it was a reverent name. Lord, please help us. The world needs to see your light. And I pray you empower your priesthood to, to get down and start praying and start showing that compassion and love to this world. Lord, be seen through us and may you be glorified in Jesus' precious and mighty name. Amen. Amen. Amen.